UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. I'm recording. Um, but uh, I've been following your work ever since you were on the Art Bell show. I, I loved it. I love your story. And I, I want my audience to hear it. Um, and, and guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. This is going to be my second uh, in the Experiencer Chronicles series. Um, uh, we have an experiencer with us today, but he's also an author. He's the author of the book, The Sayray's Agenda. And uh, the Emerald, it's the Emerald Door is your other book, right? Emerald Doorway, Guardians of the Ancient One and Journey to the Center of the Universe. There's four. Okay. And, and, okay. And, and he's an amazing author, prolific author. And I have with me Art, Robert Scott Lemriel. Um, and he's going to tell us about his experiences today. And we're going to talk about his adventures with uh, extraterrestrials. So buckle up. It's going to be a great show. And with that all said, uh, Scott, I want to give you a big warm welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm really good, Robert. I know it took me, it's been a while since I've been on a podcast or anything. I've been on hundreds, you know, and lots of radio shows around the world and went overseas and did presentations, experiential based presentations in Finland and Norway and Mount Shasta and a lot of places. And then I realized most of those conferences are really important for enlightening people, uh, generally for information, but they don't reach a lot of people. And so I've been endeavoring to take my work mainstream daytime instead of just like Art Bell, late night radio, that kind of thing. I think when I first got on there, I think I sold 2000 books from being on that for about two weeks. And then it goes away because he'll have one guest on one night, for instance, as an example, and I respect him. He's a great interviewer um, that is a non-classified PhD scientist that thinks there might be life on other planets. The next night he'll have on a whistleblower classified scientist that says we've met him and people get that for 20 years and then at that for 20 years of art bell and him they still they still aren't don't aren't really know for sure yeah. i mean that's kind of like what i do i have a, a bunch of different i have experiencers on i have whistleblowers i have people who are skeptics you know because i feel like everybody kind of has a piece to the puzzle but i, I agree like you need to have more open conversations to figure out yeah. what's going on yeah, I agree. And skeptics, you're going to, there's nothing you can do about people who are raised on planet Earth because they are raised, as you know, predominantly with fear in everything they do school systems, taxation, governments threaten the war. So people grow up, and a lot of companies and people make a lot of money on mindless entertainment, you know, where people are watching things to be entertained until their life's gone and they haven't really done anything or awakened in any way. So my work is about providing people with the understanding, the information, certainly, but more about the techniques as, as well to acquire direct experience so they can know things for themselves with confidence. That's the basis for my work. 
Yeah. When I, when I, I mean, before we get into your story, I'll just tell you, like, when I first heard your show on Art Bell and I heard about the Hue, like, I was familiar with the Ohm, but then I started doing it. I started doing Hue, Hue, and it, it, it does something. It's like a, it causes like a brainwave vibration. It's, it does something amazing. To the body. This will help you and listeners. No organization on this planet or any planet owns the Hue. It's the first half of the word human, hidden in plain sight. But it's, it's vanished from the consciousness of people. And most people on earth, I find, are too afraid to approach having real awakening experiences. They either fear God, they feel, fear divine spirit, they fear if they do something wrong, they'll get a pitchfork in the keister. You know, that's been the brainwashing of people on earth since before, long before Rome. And tyrants use those kinds of trainings for people to keep them under control. Believe something till you die, but don't know anything while you're alive has been the basic rule of thumb for this planet. It is not typical of other worlds. If you've gone to other worlds or you've experienced other worlds, which I have, then it changes your perspective entirely about how unconscious and in amnesia most people on earth really are. And so there needs to be something to fill that void, something that hasn't been done before, something new that can help people recover what they were made to forget and when I say made to forget, I say I mean made to forget before they were forced to be born here with no memory or very little, which is not a natural human state. Earth is not typical of normal human planets. Everything's been classified for, what, 70 years since World War II ended? 35 countries did that to get people to be confident in militaries, to be confident in being baby boomers and make babies. And so with certain people, certainly the President of the United States, several of them, met extraterrestrial humans and other groups directly, was always kept classified. So they began a classified space program to parallel NASA. Now, most people in your work, you know this is true. I mean, there's enough whistleblowers to know that they've got a second government. It was set up to be funded to provide money for reverse engineering extraterrestrial down craft or technology, make weapons, keep it away from other countries, which required a great deal of classification, um, more than anything to find ways to defend ourselves from aliens should they want to take us over because they were far more advanced than we were. And here's the thing, since World War II and all the craft that have been seen, they've been shot out. I don't know that any of our weapons actually took one down, but some have crashed and been recovered. And yet, when they try to shoot at them, they've never retaliated. This is something that people on earth don't really think about, right? They don't think about the fact that they've never retaliated. They could take us over in an hour on the whole planet. If they wanted to beam all the nuclear weapons off the planet and send them into the sun, this would be a piece of cake for the people I know. But they're not timers, right? So we get that out of the way. That's We'll get into how I started in this way when you ask those questions about what my childhood was like, how I came to know what I was made, what certain beings thought I could never remember under any circumstances. And I did it anyway. <laughs> so my work has never been about being a, a rich person, famous and notorious and, you know, selling billions of books. It'd be great. But the fact of the matter is that most people, when they see this work and they know there's something there, they're just too frightened to go into it. Yeah, yeah. Can I say something? Like I, I listened to a lot of other interviews you did, and it seems like I'm not bragging on any other interviews because I'm a big Art Bell fan. I have a picture of Art Bell behind me. Me too. Like, me too. 
But like the thing is, is like what I picked up from your interviews is that you're a truth seeker, that you want to uncover um, purposely hidden truths and on a grand, like multi-dimensional scale, which I really appreciate. And that's why I really wanted to have you on the show because I was like, he's on to something. Like he wants to uncover grand truths. Like you're a truth seeker. And, And I saw that besides being a contactee. But like, yeah. so like, and I, so I think someone needs to give you that space that you can talk about the, the truth and what the truth really well, is. Well, you know what, the, a show like you, someone like you, I'd get on again. I'd get on many times if you wanted to, because we could start to go into the process where I could demonstrate helping people get out of their bodies above the Earth's atmosphere and start meeting and going on journeys, which is much easier to do and more rewarding and beneficial than being picked up on a spaceship. If a spaceship picked you up and a man and woman, very beautiful from some planet, human, walked out in a field and said, come aboard, you'd probably run the other way in terror. Not because you would, wouldn't want to, because subconscious implants would force you to do that. So they know that. They want to get those fears subsided, turned off, neutralized first. So a person can at least have the courage to take a step into the unknown and begin to remember what they were made to forget. That goes into galactic history. My work, it goes, I'm not a seeker anymore in that sense. I'm a knower of the, based on my direct experiences, and I'm endeavoring to impart that to others. Okay. If I was just a seeker, I'd be questioning things. But when you travel beyond your physical body, there are no limitations in speed and the, the speed of light or gravity or wormholes or any interdimensional levels. You can move through them all. The more advanced races out in space, many of them human can do this. They grow up on different worlds than us all together. There's something I should say right now because of the way the world is now with Ukraine and Russia and all these threats, which is nothing new for this planet. Something has changed out in the universe that never occurred before. Dealing with large organization of world systems that people on earth don't know about. Dealing with Earth in a different way. They don't want to take over or control anything here, but they will not tolerate nuclear war. We know in our researches, and you know this for yourself, that the launch computers in the former Soviet Union, Russia, were shut down. They don't, you don't know this, 12 times when they tried to push the button and have nuclear war. It wasn't anybody on our planet that did that. This is so scary to people if something can shut down our launch computers and not interfere, not even say hi and just disappear. It's like saying, look, you guys are free to do whatever you want, but that will affect life off this planet and in parallel dimensions you don't even know are accessible in certain places on this planet and would harm life in ways that we're not allowed to do. We don't have the right to do that. So if people want to become a spacefaring people, which Earth is really at that point, we cannot take out in space the way this world is, its leaders at at odds with each other, making decisions based on fear, subconsciously motivated fear they don't even know they have. When anybody makes a decision based on fear, it's negative. So it has negative repercussions in space-time. According to the, one of the basic laws of physics, every action creates an equal and opposite reaction. That's where karma comes from. It's simply a reaction to the one energy that supports everything that's out in space. We call zero-point or toroidal energy. You call it divine spirit if you want. But here's the thing people on Earth don't yet know. That black area you see in a Hubble Space Telescope image, 
that is just massive and there's little galaxies float in it very far apart, billions of them. That is the hue itself. It's a living one power or conscious energy. And a human being, when they're awake and, and free from fear, can connect directly to it. And it starts to become their teacher. It starts to provide a certain protection so a person can explore and awaken what they were made to forget. And those made to forget implants are not under the skin. So I want to make that very clear to your listeners. It has nothing to do with a little chip. That was developed on Earth using extraterrestrial technology and tested on people without their knowledge to try and find a way to undo what was done to the CIA and other people by a tyrant race without their permission. They didn't have any way to get rid of it. Since that time, it's been probably 20 to 25 years now since the little grays stopped abducting people and since a few reptilians were in underground bases, they were sent off this planet. Then, people in the UFO and extraterrestrial disclosure communities don't yet know that. At least I've never met anyone that does. There's one woman talking about it. There's Elena Denan. She, she said that she said that the, the grays and the reptilians are gone. They yeah. are. Okay, but you have to have direct experience with it. Words are easy, right? They're cheap. But when you can provide, and this has been the basis for my work since I stepped out after my 60s to talk in front of groups of people after preparing, preparing my entire life, um, to speak about direct experience, well, how important it is, because faith, it may be a good place to start. It's a terrible place to end up. Faith, properly done, should lead to experience, and that leads to knowing, and knowing gets rid of doubt, and doubt's backed by fear. Subconscious fear misdirects people to make the wrong decisions in their lifetime, massively, governmentally, religiously. The leaders of these different groups on earth are all making decisions based on either competition or fear, which is destructive and ends to an, and will, end, will result in the end of life on this planet. You don't have to have a nuclear war here to end life here. Global warming alone will do that. All you have to do is destroy the rest of the rainforest in the Congo, in, in, the, in Brazil. Now you've got an oxygen, an ocean that'll produce 70% of the world's oxygen but no way to filter out the carbon dioxide. So we all suffocate. It's more than just freezing the planet. It's a lot more serious than that. So people have taken steps to try to mitigate this in the best way they could. Chemtrails are part of that. They're not done to poison everybody. In fact, they could put a colorless, odorless gas in one chemtrail spraying and kill everybody. That's not what they're for. I would say they're acts of desperation. Well, that's 20 years plus spraying those things. The sun has also increased its radiant output, which scares them a little bit too. It's just a natural cycle. I want to put this information out up front because it will give people for the first time maybe new thought, new ways of pondering the mystery of why they exist. When you explore the multidimensional creation and find out or recover why you exist as a being, everything changes because you and me and others are meant to be at some point a conscious co-creator with the source behind all life, not a worshiper of it. The source itself, if you've ever been there, does not and has never required that we worship it. It is required that we respect it and each other and all life, even life beyond earth. This is required. If you wanna be enlightened, or if you wanna go into, if a person wants to, remember what they once knew before they were made to forget it when they were born here 
there is a reverse process for doing that, which has begun fairly recently, about nine years ago, Earth time. So I'm quite impassioned about it. And I don't rely on the news or what's on the internet to do this work at all. It doesn't come from bits and pieces of other people's work. It's originally unique because it wasn't created on this planet. It was brought here. So the Samer's Agenda book is about what is taking place out in space amongst extraterrestrial races, big organization of world systems that has never happened before. That's number one. There's an ambassador named Ambassador Torellian. He's 18 feet tall. He was when he had a body. He's a very brilliant being. He's human, 12-stranded DNA on their home world. And they, they, what, they did a special way of immortalizing their bodies over 1 billion years ago. And they actually dematerialized the genomes and the DNA and stored it, the spherical nature of their being, some aspect of it. Because what we are is what people call soul. They call atma. An atma is spherical. Have you ever asked yourself why planets and moons and suns and stars are round? They're round because they're patterned after their creators. We were never made in the image of the source like this. This is just a genetic, genetic machine. The series had a lot to do with producing these types of humans and other races out among the stars and nurturing them to spacefaring capability. Long time ago, and then they vanished to see what we would do. And everybody knows what we've done with it. It's not a pretty picture. They've recently returned to take up the responsibility of helping races like ours not annihilate themselves. So that's where I met Ambassador Torellian when I was writing the series agenda about my experiences out there. And then I was introduced to him, not on this planet. And um, a startling experience, but very uplifting because the guy it's hard to describe until you experience him what he's like, how different um, a representative of all human beings is. What I learned along the way is that no human being ever evolved originally on this planet Earth. Not one race, ever. They were brought here. You know that about my work. I think you do. Yeah. Okay. There has been life and cultures on this planet going back 65 million years since the dinosaurs were made extinct, which was another experiment that came to an end. And so there, there have been cultures like 100,000 years ago that ended like Lemuria. Colony continent of Lemuria was Atlantis on the other side of the ocean, two-thirds the size of Lemuria. It wasn't the little island one that Edgar Casey talked about that disappeared 35,000 years ago that became the uh, ocean-bearing race that had dominated most of the world. And they disappeared through the misuse of science. But the actual change in affairs for the one of the most advanced cultures we've had on the planet, which was Lemuria or Mu, was just over 100,000 years ago. The problem with Earth has always been that the poles of this planet flip over every 100,000 years. And that means the whole physical poles. So most life is destroyed. Fortunately, there are beings called uh, the mechanics of creation. They're called silent mentors. And they actually run galaxies and uni universes and planets and dimensions, doorways between dimensions. That's all they do. They've never had an interaction with us as individual beings. But they've recently changed or stopped the polar flips of this planet permanently. No more golden age to iron age. That gives everybody on Earth the opportunity to recover. Because on other worlds, they've been able to evolve for hundreds and hundreds of millions of years. 
without that problem. So when you think of your, your race or any race, Caucasian or African-American or Semitic or Asian, none of those races can devolve, evolve those differences on, in one atmosphere on one planet under one sun. They come from and represent unknowingly the type of human beings that have evolved on other world systems, usually that have a trinary sun system, triple suns. Astronomers and ast astrophysicists today know that most of the other suns out in our galaxy are binary or trinary. Ours is single. And we have a moon that's barren that is impossible for it to not turn on its axis. Something created that. It moves around the planet, but it never moves one inch, ever. And there's the influence of the Earth's gravity, the sun, and it does not turn, which is unnatural. So something else is underway to replace that problem with a oxygen-covered sphere that will turn on its axis. But that's coming in the future because this has to be corrected for this solar system. There was a planet that was destroyed a long time ago, which is now an asteroid field circling in the orbit of a planet at high speed between Mars and Jupiter. That was a planet full of people blown apart in one in, in 10 seconds, 10, 10 minutes, by one single device launched from one rocket by a tyrant. So those beings who were at that time period had to go somewhere. The only planet they could go to was Earth. And you've got a pattern of people trying to do the same thing here on Earth, not knowing they're even doing it. There are beings from outside that understand this problem human beings are suffering from here. So they're starting to make inroads to change this in very unexpected ways. So that's that covers a basis of, of most of my work. But it really, it took me five versions of the Savior's Agenda before I came, was made aware that I needed to put a special technique section in the back of that book. A technique section with the hue to connect people directly involving the prologue and a separate technique for each of the 29 chapters. Five versions, because I was evolving through this change as well, waking up. The parallel time trilogy, starting with the Emerald Doorway, then Guardians of the Ancient One and Journey to the Center of the Universe, came about through my explorations down the time track, out in space on other worlds, particularly back to Lemuria and to see what happened with the polar shift and what caused it. So that's in the Emerald Doorway. What caused that is in that book. The characters in that book were are not hum, humans from Earth. They were a Galactic Alliance people that were in our solar system at the time. So that's about the past, and the two are connected from the past to the present with the Savior's agenda. It took four books and most of my life just to put them there. It, it sounds it, awesome. It sounds it sounds awesome because you're 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 speaking a lot of like what we need to know, right? One, some, one person in the chat, I'm watching the chat on my phone. Um, someone wanted to know which planet was blown up. Maldek. Okay, okay. Some and people spell it East, um, M-A-L-D-E-C-D-E-K. It really doesn't matter. It had 3 billion people on it, two and a half to 3 billion people, three militaristic leaders, not bad except one. And it was an outside bad guy that influenced that one leader to push a rocket off and to try to dominate his neighbors. It was not tested. It was a type of bomb, like a cobalt bomb, that chain reacts with all matter. It just blew the planet apart from the inside out. Everybody died. Galactic Alliance did not interfere at that time in that event. 
to their regret, I might add, down the time track, because everything is connected. You can't be a whole host of benevolent world systems and ignore, like in Star Trek, we don't intervene. That's just cowardice. If you don't intervene in younger races, most of them will never survive, which also means that out in space long ago, when some of those civilizations were near destruct, destroying themselves like we are now, something happened from outside their planet to intervene to prevent that. And now they're part of a great organization. The Galactic Interdimensional Alliance of Free Worlds is really not known in the UFO and extraterrestrial communities yet at all. Blue Avians and others and other smaller groups. But this goes down to a planet called Zetronami 1. It's four times larger than Earth. It has no polar ice caps because in a trinary sun system, the planets don't have polar ice caps. The humans that evolve on such planets evolve much more defined DNA and they're much more evolved. In other words, the being running those bodies can run a lot higher faculties through them than we can on Earth because we only have two strands. Most of the humans on other worlds have four. The Seyrays had 12. So it, when you start to learn this stuff, it's like you want to know what these other races are like, you know, out among the stars. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because what people call the classified military industrial complex, the hidden government on Earth, which was done initially in a benevolent idea and has just gotten away with itself too long. They've been told they have to disclose fully about life out on the stars. This does not mean telling people from the podium in the White House that we've been working with extraterrestrials, we lied to you, but you still can't know anything. We're still going to classify it. That's not disclosure. Real disclosure means they have to actually reveal to the whole planet what they know about all the different races that are coming here. And that will open the door for them to land here to save us from ourselves. So that event has been set in motion for this planet. And my work is largely about that because otherwise, what am I doing here? What's the point of this radio show, right? Unless I can begin to spearhead to the planet some kind of a grounding of a new kind of energy running through what we call omnipresent spirit. Um, zero point energy, the energy of the universe, same. It's right in the atmosphere around us, and it's right out in space, and it goes through different dimensions all the way up past what people, some esoteric groups call the void. And those like Buddhists think that's God, and there's nothing beyond it, because they don't see anything in it. It's just like a pale blue light. But that's not the truth. You have to go further, because there are higher realities beyond that that you and I and everybody else originally came from before the worlds of time and space were even created which makes a person wonder, how old am I? Well, your body's as old as you are in this lifetime, but you, the being, is many billions of years old, considering it, comparing it to space and time. So part of disclosure has to do with people recovering who and what they are that has never been one of these. Because without that, you can't know anything with confidence. Because this brain and body that you grew up with had only learned what it's learned in school, in this one lifetime, and they don't even teach it. You can't write Star Wars from what you learned in college because it's they go into a trance state as an author, 
And they're actually seeing things. They don't know where they're getting it from. They're writing this stuff down that actually existed out there somewhere. Even if it's 5 million years ago in another galaxy. And most authors on Earth, as creatively brilliant as they are, do not know this. They don't remember it. They could. They can. But that takes an entirely different uh, endeavor during the years they have in this lifetime to wake that up. They can be authors and filmmakers. I am. Screenplays were written for all these books before I even got into the endeavor of writing books based on the screenplays. Because the only way I could write this stuff when I was experiencing from the from a film set. I can't explain why it's backwards, I know. So the parallel time trilogy books on the Savers agenda came about after screenplays were written for them. Um, that's how I had to do it visually. I had to do it that way. When you write a book, what you would call a novel, some people do, uh, I just call them books because my work is based upon direct experience and people can call it fiction if they want, I don't care. But the hidden truth about many levels on many planes of existence are revealed in those books. The journeys I guide people on in a private sessions that aren't even on the internet, online, around the world, actually are escorted out of their bodies and they put their body in the trance state called sleep, just like you do every night when you go to sleep. But then they go out consciously listening to my voice and we go on journeys and meet these people. We go all over the universe, particularly above the void. Because once you get into the upper realities, there's no negative nature. Anything that can change the way Earth and the lower systems of time and space are run has to be created there in order for it to come down here. So that means in order for people to serve, to live their true creative potential as a co-creator with the source, they have to go there and experience it, which makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're guiding people on out-of-body experiences, but like more of like a galactic out-of-body experience. Correct. Because what people call going within goes through the pineal gland, the center of the brain. The Vatican has kept that secret for years. They have a big pine cone sitting out in the courtyard. It represents the pineal gland. They're not telling anybody. Yeah. So it's the doorway through which the being, which is spherical and not made of nuclear material, it isn't atomic. It can't be killed or beamed or blown up in a nuclear bomb. It's made of an energy that supports all other energies. It's the first energy, the first sound, the hue. First half of the word human behind everything that goes from the source to here, all the same one power, but leveled in different vibrational levels to support these different in quantum physics, other dimensions. There are 144 parallel dimensions of physical worlds in the physical universe alone before people, before it even becomes what you would call the lower astral plane. There's these levels, these higher heavens, so to speak. Um, and we're meant to actually know about them for a very important reason. You're running that body right there right now, like I'm running this one. But you're also running an astral body on the astral plane, lives thousands of years. And everything in that plane is moved through in motion. All the motion comes from there. It doesn't come from here, from one lifetime, one personality. What little you can learn in a university here, it's insignificant. Then you go into the causal plane where matter is moved from cause and effect and the mental plane where thought moves it and the etheric plane, which is more almost pure positive and a little bit of negative. And then there's this void because below the void, this one pure hue energy splits into dual currents. 
to make the lower worlds. And they were for us to experience tactile sensation and, and to come up with new ways of doing things. And we were meant to go back to the source and download it. And people have not been doing that, not on earth, not in the universe. So you could say that the entire supreme being is stultified, stuck within itself. I got a question. Are we not doing that? Are we not returning to source because we're in some kind of a prison planet situation? Have, have we been hijacked into tricking well, us into reincarnating over and over again? Yeah, yeah. But that took place off world. It didn't take place here. So it's a very hard thing to solve as a problem. If you're stuck with no memory and you don't know what was done to you or where or when, that's a hard thing to uncover in a world where everything is negative about the present and future. Everything by people running corporations and governments, they're putting out fear of the present and future continuously because they can't help themselves. And then the masses of people they think they dominate are doing the same thing. So the principle of the way physical matter works from the hue is that when you put something out as an emotion or a thought, it's measurable on an oscilloscope. And you can actually, it goes out in microvoltages and goes into the atmosphere of the planet. Everything that was ever done to anybody by anyone, every sadistic thing, murder and Rome, Aztec and Mayan, and you name it, is all recorded in the atmosphere of the planet. It does not go outside the atmosphere. It's our problem. So when you get out in space, all that gets left behind. And the being begins to awaken higher IQ. People I work with, their IQ goes up through the roof. What they couldn't comprehend a few years ago, they can understand as natural and normal. Because there are things called secondary implants that are superimposed on a primary implant to keep a person afraid from waking up, from knowing anything. So they just go to faith and they stop and that's it. There's no guarantee that when someone believes in something that whatever heaven they think they're going to is permanent or that they'll stay there because no one's ever come back here to say, look, this is what really happens. The only way you can know that is to know it while you're running a body still alive, to wake that up. So you can know what it is you're living as a life in the astral plane, causal, mental, etheric. You're running five bodies right now on different levels. The mind, everything that deals with brilliance in the mind isn't in the brain at all. Here's where people have got this all wrong on earth. Psychiatrists, psychologists, because they're trained in universities that don't teach this. No imagination ever comes from the brain cells between your ears. Quite impossible. There's no camera there in the brain cells with a motion picture screen where you can look at stuff. So everybody knows what daydreaming is, right? Yeah. Everybody daydreams. I mean, it's it's effortless. They just, you know, you're sitting in a classroom, the teacher's boring, you look at the parking lot, and your eyes are seeing the parking lot. But you are looking at the ski trip you're going on, or if you're bright enough, you're looking at other planets. Maybe writing some movies, maybe writing some books. But that's daydreaming. And when a person daydreams, they aren't seeing anything they're seeing in the brain. The being they are that's hovering generally above the body, running it through the pineal gland, is what's doing that seeing. And it's spherical. You can see in every direction. It's not nuclear, it's not atomic, it's not DNA, it's not molecules, it's not AI. It's something made of an energy that cannot be affected by anything materialistic, anything in the lower worlds. So when we start operating from that self, our true self, we start to chart a new course and things change around us. 
And then we can start to become co-creatively co co important to help bring about an unexpected transformation for this world. That's what happens. We return to our natural inclination, which is to get away from fear and negativity, of course. That's fascinating. So how do you, how do you do the, how, when did you start uh, doing this? And like, when did you first have your first experience? Like with, with uh, something? This body was uh, about five, uh, three and five. I say three in some of my presentations, but the one that I think was very significant was when I was about maybe three and a half years old, maybe four in uh, Utah, outside of Utah, walking up this brick path to my little brick steps to my parents' house. And it was dusk. And suddenly I was outside of my body looking at it, walking up the steps. And I was a spherical being and I could see through this sphere looking at this body. I knew exactly what it was. And I looked up the stars and I knew from the star patterns that I was on earth. And the first thing I said to myself as an adult human extraterrestrial male, earth, what am I doing on earth? Because I didn't know. I had woken up against all odds at a certain point. And that closed down as you go through childhood. I once had an experience out into the desert with a man and his wife and their baby driving towards Salt Lake City on a kind of a spiritual quest, not for anything religiously in Salt Lake, but across the Southwest. And we're in the desert late night, and I started to get this message from a being on a craft called Manka. I didn't know where it was coming from. He said, the radio started to shift from the country western station was on, started blur through the dials. And he said, tell him to pull the car over and stop and look out the window. So I did that. And there was this brilliant cobalt blue flash up in the sky above the desert salt flats. And then it was shot straight down and vanished as if it had crashed. The next instant, two black helicopters flew over our car, searching out in the desert. And we could hear the commander of the base talk to those pilots on the radio. It was amazing. And Monka just said to me, I want to show you something. So when we looked out the window, this is what he showed us. They couldn't find a craft or wreckage or anything else. And so the commander of the base was very upset, very angry, and was commanding them to go find wreckage or something. And then after a while, we just turned on the car and drove away. These are the kind of things that I don't mention to people normally. I first brought this out maybe in the Finland conference in Norway, maybe Mount Shasta, a few other places conferences I've been in Washington State and all that stuff. What I present when I do personal presentations at conferences is not about telling people information. It's about demonstrating how to work with the you to get into recovering what they once knew. It's very different. It's quite unique. Not unique outside of Earth, but very unique for this planet. So when you can think about it, it's neat that this is happening, but most people that would make my books New York Times bestsellers are not yet awake enough to even pursue when it crosses their path. They're just not aware enough to see it. Some people are like you. There are others, and there's more of them coming about every day. So I had to be very patient with presenting this work to the world, which started six or seven years ago. I was on uh, George Neri, Coast to Coast, three hours. You've heard that show. There was a point in that program where George looked at me. A couple of things happened there. I made a point to him no one's ever made. He, 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 he was starting to you know, want me to be proof and all that. And I said, let me ask you something, George. 
in all the years you've been on that program and RPL before you, has anybody ever been able to prove undeniable proof to you so you could present it to your listeners? That's the thing that nobody has any proof. Nobody has any. And he said, you got a point. At the end of the show, as you remember, he said, you mean to tell me that if a reptilian was come up to me and was going to eat me for dinner, if I sent out the you would protect me? I said, that's exactly what I'm telling you. That was the purpose for me being on the show. It wasn't about selling books, really. So then I got on Art Bell just before he quit doing radio. You know, when he was coming back from the Philippines? I remember I found he got attacked that night. Remember he was about to do the show and somebody was trying to, like, someone was stalking him and there was- like No, no, a... somebody was doing that before the show, but there was a, a person whose name I won't mention who was on the phone with him listening to me to try to steer him away from doing what I came there to give him. It would have protected his life. It would have saved it. He was being threatened from classified people and gunshots near his ranch and Grump, Nevada, and, you know, threatens his wife and his kids. And he had a wife and a Filipino wife, I think, and a, a child of some. Yeah. And so they were, he got, he, he got off the air, but the guy that was telling him, said, don't listen to this guy, just get more security around your house. That's what he said live. He came on live. And this is a pseudoscientist kind of guy that's well known in the UFO community. He was not George Nury's friend. Okay. I wasn't worried about me. I'm protected in that way. Um, but if I had been able to demonstrate the hue for George that night, things wouldn't have happened the way they did. It was not my choice. It was his. And he made decisions based on fear. I respect Art Bell greatly and George Nury because of the courageous work they do, but neither of them are experienced. Neither one of them. Uh, Michael Saul is a good friend of mine, uh, Exopolitics out of Hawaii, wrote the reviews for both uh, the series Agenda and the Emerald Doorway. Great reviews. They're on exopolitics.com. But he's not experienced. But he's great at finding whistleblowers and people. And him and his wife write a book about them and no make give them notoriety. And then he that's how he makes his living. He writes books about whistleblowers, which is great because it helps with exopolitics. So I bring up these things only as admiration and respect for these people. I have nothing negative to say about any of them, except that I know that they would like to have more experience and they're not having it. I think uh, they set up a, a landing pad with uh, the King of Hawaii or something, something in part of Exopolis to have a place for people to land, but they're not gonna land there. You gotta get in much deeper than that to have a cool creative association with beings from other worlds. Um, and I get into that a lot, particularly in the private group sessions, about eight to 10 people for the last five years. They've greatly gained uh, an awakening and they know stuff now they couldn't even comprehend when we started. I wish it were online on the internet, but it would be inappropriate for me to put their private journeys like that online, expose them to the public, the negative public of this planet. So I have these radio shows over, I think nearly 300 I've done with Perry Bence in Thailand. Why Thailand? Because she's awake enough. She contacted me through one of friends I know or through one of the videos I have on YouTube or something. And um, we've been doing these radio shows once a week that actually take people on the journey during the radio show. It's recorded on my end. And then I send it to her to put on her YouTube channel, not mine. Then we have these hotel meetings. We've had, I think, 
six or seven, where a bunch of people up as far as many as 90 will come to a hotel and I'll present to them through Zoom and take the hotel people on a journey. Those, and we're gonna have two more. One's gonna be um, on Saturday the 20th. And another one is gonna be on June 16th. So Saturday the 20th of May and June 16th. And those are done live and then recorded on my end and I send them to Perry and she puts them on our YouTube channel as well. So for some reason, now here's the thing. My books are in this incredible display case in the middle of a big Bangkok bookstore. It's bigger than Barnes and Noble and it's owned by the Japanese. So I'm in a process now of getting donations from Thai people to help co-creatively spend $19,000 is very expensive to hire a proper high enough echelon company to properly translate a book from one language to another. That's why, unless you're a billionaire or you're incredibly successful like J.K. Rowling or The Lord of the Rings or J.K.R. Tolkien, maybe Stephen King, maybe Dean Koontz, who sold more books than J.K. Rowling, 500 million lives over here in Newport Beach. People don't even know it because he hasn't wanted his books to be films. He's idiosyncrat that way. He's uh, eccentric that way, I guess. So these, 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 uh, the Thai people bought enough books to where it was a bestseller in that store. Obviously, for them to then put it in Japan, which would be a huge fan base, it has to be in Japanese. So I want to get the book published in Thai first because I promised those people. And then in Japanese and Spanish, there's over a billion Spanish-speaking people, mostly in South America. So I want to get them out so that this whole thing can open up. For me, it's not about money and living in paradise off people donating or people buying books. It's great. But I spent far more money and energy in my life doing what I'm doing now, writing and producing and publishing these books than I've ever made so far. I think people need to understand this because it isn't, <laughs> yeah, it'll probably be very successful at some point in the near future, but it has to go through certain stages. I've never been funded by a major publisher like Scholastic Press that that published J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter books. They didn't put money in her promotion. The kids in Europe did that. And then parents got interested and then it became a phenomena. So Scholastic Press has made a number of billions off her work. And if she got $2 a book, takes about a 500 million books, 450 million books to plus ebooks and everything else to make a billion dollars to make her a billionaire, which is what happened. So a, an author usually gets about two or three dollars a book, maybe a little more for an ebook out of 19 or 20 or 27 for a hardback. That's it. All the middlemen get everything else. And that's okay with me because if Amazon wasn't there, if iBooks wasn't there, if Barnes and Noble wasn't there, if Ingram Spark wasn't there that distributes books to bookstores around the world, people couldn't get these books because nobody prints them themselves and stores them in a warehouse. They're print on demand. Even in, if a, somebody buys one of these books in France, it goes to Amazon.fu or France, FR. And then they'll, they have print on demand facilities in these countries where um, the same Paper and everything is is produced there and shipped locally because it takes sixty it takes like uh, 
60 bucks to send a one pound book to Germany through the mail. It's not, you can't do it. And Amazon got that from Ingram. Ingram was doing it before Jeff Bezos was probably born. So about 70% of the world's publishers distribute their books through Ingram and they get a percentage to get them in bookstores around the world because they have print-on-demand facilities around the world too. So I wanted to enlighten everybody about this process a little bit. The most expensive aspect of it is publishing in other languages. It takes months of work. It's the top translators to get it really good. Like in, my, in the Emerald Doorway book, there are over 30 illustrations of characters and key scenes very in pencil, but very, very refined. No publisher would ever spend the money to put them there. I had to do it. So I had to create a publishing company and do it. Just operates exactly like any publishing company uh, with contracts with Amazon or Ingram Spark or iBooks or anybody else. And so I had to do that or they wouldn't have been put on this planet. And I had to spend years and years of time and money to get it to where it is right now. So I wanted to let that go out there. When we get back to these episodes, I had these experiences in life that helped me to recover who and what I am and was before this life. Where did I live on what planet before this life? What was my life like? How did I get here? You with me? Yes. How did I get here? This is a question everybody should want to know, but most people, probably unlike your people who follow your work, most people on earth don't even ask the question yet. And I can say this as a fact, out of all the years of 20 years of um, late night uh, coast to coast and Art Bell and uh, what's the other fellow that left and did his own midnight in the desert, used John B. Wells, I've been on his show. Um, after 20 years of that, probably maybe 10 million people out of seven and a half billion are aware of this stuff. The rest of the populace is watching movies they, they just don't know. So we got to get those numbers up from 10 million into, you know, billion at least to make this transition work in a non-destructive manner. It's very important that people get involved personally here. It's their world. People think they own this planet or their property, but this isn't true. The planet isn't owned by us. And when you have a deed and you paid your house off, it's still vulnerable for land tax to be taken from you. Don't, nobody owns anything. And when your body goes, you don't take anything with you at all. Nothing except what you're aware of. Now, if you leave this life without fear and you're aware of these other planes, you can choose to go somewhere pretty important and special instead of being compulsively reincarnating here because of subconscious programs. Those have to go. The hue. Here's what happens. There are four sounds, not three, as some gurus are teaching because they just don't know. Even doing incredible work. Some of them think there's only three sounds you can make with the human mouth without using the tongue. There's actually a fourth one. The om, om vibrates this area up to about the sinus area, power center. The hue only vibrates the pineal gland in the center of the brain upward. It opens a door. You goes this way. I think you've already experienced that. Yeah. I just haven't done any astral travel with it. That's what I want to. You don't want astral travel. 
when you astral travel, it's just you, the spherical you, going to the body you have in the astral plane and watching it, experiencing it. And it has greater abilities than you have here. And then you come back. Yeah. That body's there. Your astral body is really not a sheath as people depict it. You know, a thin, transparent thing around your body that leaves it and then goes out and travels. That isn't actually what's taking place. The spherical being, the real being, is moving when the body's asleep, it puts it on automatic, what we call sleep, and then goes to these other places and experiences them. And sometimes when people are fortunate and they're positive when they go to bed, they bring back the awareness of it. But most people can't bring back awareness of where they're going every night because there's fear in the way. It's in the way. So, yeah, it's more like uh, we want to talk about out-of-body projection as being the atma itself, what you call soul, doing the traveling not the astral body or the physical body or the causal body, because they must stay in the planes where their molecular time rate, the matter that makes up those bodies is identical. In the astral plane and all 144 parallel dimensions there, the different time rates are all within a certain uh, bandwidth. And you can't take a spacecraft from even the Galactic Alliance into the astral plane. They can't cross a barrier. But you can go out of that body into the astral plane and they have spaceships there. It's very, it's a big creation. And you and everybody else has a right to know this stuff. Just because you were made to forget it doesn't mean you didn't want know it once know it really well. Because in your past you did. And I'm trying to help people recover this. It's not an easy task. It's a great challenge. And I do it at every step of the way that the omnipresent one power consciousness is willing to do it because we don't have power ourselves as a spherical being. We're made of the same energy as the zero point total energy of the universe, which is non-physical. Non it's not atomic or nuclear. It's not DNA. It's not atoms. It's not explosions on the sun. It's that energy that all those things creating electromagnetic fields float in. It floats in this other ether. More advanced races know how to work with that energy that people think is black when they see a Hubble Space Telescope image. It isn't. When you get out of your body as the atom above the Earth, it's a white golden field of light everywhere. And scientists on Earth, the most advanced one, quantum physicists and others now know that what they used to call dark matter is packed full of energy. They don't know what it is, but they know it's there and they know it's finer than molecular matter. It's behind it. So when they found that out in the CERN Super Collider in Switzerland, by crashing particles together at nearly the speed of light, they could see this other energy. They called it the God particle because it isn't, it doesn't follow the laws of physics at all. So more advanced races can work with their technology to channel that energy through their craft without using energy, without polluting, and get faster than the speed of light all over the place because it, that energy, is not limited by the speed of light, gravity, dark matter, black holes or anything else it is the energy that supports material creations that create what are called toroidal fields a toroidal field exists around the earth comes out the north and goes in the south poles the same toroidal field exists around the spherical being you call solar atma the same toroidal field exists around the human body it's not right near the body in colors like psychics and some other people think it actually has a more shape a bigger it's just like the earth there's a toroidal field around the entire Milky Way galaxy. And it's that field that is part of the hue that suspends them there. 
So more advanced races out among the stars know how to work with it because they respect it. They can communicate with it. They make they build their technology on non-nuclear energy. Isn't that incredible? That is. So the real thing about this information I'm sharing with you, Robert, and who may ever hear this, is that information is good if it's true and if it can lead to direct experience, to awakening, to recovering. And when I say this, what you were made to forget without your permission, I mean it. No one on this earth would go to some god who would direct them under contract to get born on earth with no memory, dumber than a brick, and say, get it right. That makes no sense. Because without your higher faculties, how you can you get it? You're just going to make more mistakes, which is what we see people on earth doing. So some kind of energy that people don't know about has to be moved through this planet, through the solar system, in order to raise the vibration enough for people to step in courage into recovering who they are. At that point, you will have massive landings of ships all over the planet. No bombs, no cockroaches, blowing up cities, none of that crap. And this world will change dramatically because then as we create one world government here, this planet can take its place as a member of a galactic alliance of worlds. There's 450 million plus space-faring races out in just a little under half of our galaxy. The other half is run by another race of beings called the Zentronomus on Zentronomus 1, which is in our parallel physical dimension on the other side of our galaxy. And they run the other half and they're working together now. So Earth is out in the dark with all this negativity and reptilians now being taken outside our solar system. Earth's solar system is quarantined, not by us. You can take an anti-gravity reverse engineered ship out to the moon or put a base in the back of the moon and play with it around Mars. They cannot take them out among the stars faster than the speed of light because our psychology is not set up to run them that way. Uh, plus you can't run that kind of technology from fear. Subconscious fear would make you crash it right into a moon or destroy yourself. They found this out, <laughs> testing pilots this way with reverse engineered craft. Plus they're not allowed to go outside the solar system because that's there to protect them from us. The most dangerous, unreliable people in the universe right now are on Earth. They don't even work together. Can't get along, religions or anything else. So if people on Earth today, when I say there is no future like Star Trek for the people on Earth today, like it is, I'm completely serious because other races won't tolerate us coming out there. China and Russia and the United States fighting for the spoils of space because space is already occupied by far more advanced races. There's only one way we have to go, and that is to cooperate with them and be invited into that organization. And then their technology, which was offered to certain presidents and turned down, will be provided to this planet at no charge. Free energy, cures for diseases, how to understand every single genome on the DNA to turn them off and on like switches through sound frequencies. No cancer, live a thousand years. Don't die because they're set right now at a short life, about 100 years, and most people don't make it there. So these things are just more advanced science that to them is ancient. This planet and its people could be benefiting from this right now, but this was turned down by governments on this world, by Eisenhower, Truman, because they were afraid. They didn't know if they could trust. And some of the races were tyrant that were coming here under treaty. Things have changed. There are no more gray abductions. No more reptilians and bases. 
My work will never talk about fear about bases hidden on Earth from outside. I, I, I do get people still emailing me, though, saying that they're having experiences. Like, what do you think that is? Do you think that's my labs? No, it's more of an implant. That's more of a subconscious reliving of an experience. Um, Gray's coming here and abducting them? No. That's not happening anymore. Other people are saying that, too. Like, and, and I, you know, it's weird. I, I have noticed that the Gray abductions have kind of, like, waned. Like, you don't, I mean. Not you just waned. You know how long ago they were stopped? More than 20 years ago. And the rest of the world just doesn't know it because it's part of a classified space technology. Space Force is classified still. It was already there, but now they publicized it, see? I'll give you an example. Project Blue Book, which was Jay Hynek's work, astrophysicist, who was hired by the Air Force to debunk extraterrestrial views, had so many experiences with extraterrestrials and stuff he couldn't explain, so incredible that he only had a diary. And he was not allowed to talk all his life. Yet he served as a consultant, still working for the Air Force with Spielberg on Close Encounters. He was a consultant on the set. So when the History Channel put out this reenacted live version of the characters of Jay Hynek and this lieutenant he worked with, it was based on his direct diary. That's why it was released on the History Channel. Then the Pentagon shut that down after two years. They had episodes written for another two because of what happened in the last episode of Project Blue Book to that lieutenant dealing with alien extraterrestrials who were operating triangular craft from cavern openings up through the sea during the time of the biggest military exercise in history involving Europe and like hundreds of ships and 80,000 men near Russia, almost started World War III. And this alien craft intervened in that. And this is revealed for the first time on that show. And the Pentagon with COVID, they decided that's enough for now. And they just closed it down. It was popular. The History Channel, which is owned by any, just shut it down. There's no explanation. So we're hoping to see more episodes of that. Start, um, project, oh, let's see, what is it? X, what is it? Um, Stargate Atlantis and Stargate SG-1 also had some really revealing stuff in them. Pro Cheyenne Mountain, most people don't know, was commanded by Canadian and U.S. personnel, just like they have the actors displaying. It was commanded during the, the height of the Cold War uh, and is classified. And the, the, the head of the Joint Chiefs under a president in one of the episodes showed up as a actor on the set in Cheyenne by the Stargate as himself while he was a sitting head of the Joint Chiefs. And most people just miss that entirely. It's a little bit of disclosure. It's not much because things are ramping up. Full disclosure is mandatory now. Earth people do not have the choice to, to refuse it. Or after a certain period of time, it will be done for them. And that'll make the leaders on this world very embarrassed and very precarious situation because it's going to be done whether they want it or not. There's no way for this planet to survive without that. It has to come from outside. What do you think is going to happen to like the cabal and like the Illuminati and stuff like that? And I think they're going to be freed of the subconscious implants that cause them to be diabolical, making decisions based on fear right now, just like world leaders. It's a whole different idea about how to deal with them than put them up against the wall. And shoot them, because you're not going to be able to do that anyway. 
So that's destructive. This process has to come about without creating more repercussions in space-time, what we call karma, cause and effect. And that kind of knowledge and understanding is old outside of Earth, but it needs to be brought here openly for the first time. I like that. I like that. And when do you think we, I mean, you probably don't know. I, I don't think anybody knows, but when, when do you think we would see this? I mean, do we even know? Like, do, Let me put it this way. If I knew exact dates, I would not voice them. Yeah. The reason is because the subconscious fear most people operate under, it's not their fault. It would cause them to latch on to a predicted date exclusive of having their own experience. It's like being spoon fed, like giving them mindless entertainment. They get a date, and if something changes, it doesn't happen on that date. It's two weeks later, then guess who's in the doghouse with all of them? Me. It's not my place to voice dates and times. It would be inappropriate and not beneficial for people. They need to experience what's coming themselves because that's experiential. That will change them. And this is the basis of the reason I even got on your show. For your benefit, the benefit of your listeners, I have no vested interest other than getting this, what I call the hue expansion ray. Think of the hue as omnipresent energy everywhere through all the dimensions. It's all connected. It's not nuclear atomic, but it's a living conscious power, one power. We as atmas are made of exactly that same energy from a source far above the void. So we have the same godly abilities as the source. We're supposed to use those in co-creative harmony with that source to create new ways of doing things like, how do you run the lower worlds of time and space? How do you get rid of the failed old experiment of good and evil, which we know doesn't work? It's trapped beings in the illusion that they're a body, they can't remember anything, and they're not coming back to the source like they should be. So that's one of the things that full disclosure has to start to unravel as well. That means people are older on earth running bodies here. They have no idea just how many other lives and other worlds they've been on. It's all been wiped, suppressed. I have taken people into an experience of confronting what is in the primary implant, as I call it. And it's a terrifying torture, death and destruction type of thing, artificially created and put into the electromagnetic field, we call the toroidal field that surrounds the body, through which you see the universe. It's put around the atma as well, through which you see the universe. And when you try to know truth, this other terrorizing thing turns on and says, if you try to go there, we'll eat you alive again. See what I mean? That's terrifying to people, it's subconscious, but it's just artificial. Once that becomes a memory, it no longer affects the nervous system or decision-making, and the IQ goes up. When secondary implants are removed, which is the first step, they take the blocks off of that primary one. So the individual being, the atma, can now start to master the negative nature of this program. The primary implant isn't fully removed on Earth because the technology is not here. You have to go at least onto a ship that's stationed in the ice rings of Saturn. It's about a mile long. It's cylindrical. The rings that make up Saturn are big chunks of ice. It's about a mile and a half thick. There's an Emerald Star cruiser there, long cylindrical bridge control on each end. It has um, kind of convexly shaped view portals down the middle of the, the center of the ship. And it's made for going through interdimensional doorways across great distances. There are no open launch bays on this craft. 
Ships change their like a scout craft, uh, three semi-spheric pods underneath, you know, glowing with a blue um, anti-gravitic light around it, like you'd see in the atmosphere of Earth, would go in towards the center section of the ship, raise the molecular time rate, the energy coming around the craft, this electromagnetic field, it changes them into a slightly higher parallel dimension, and they're able to move the molecules of that craft right through the hull, get inside, lower it, and land. It's, it's done that way so there is no openings to go through these interdimensional doorways. It's a technology they understand well. But they wouldn't be able to do it without working with the one energy that ship flies through. Because they don't have nuclear radioactive reactors on those ships. They're outlawed outside of Earth. One of the things that was approached to Eisenhower when he met with several groups. One was alien tyrants promising to give us technology, didn't care if we gave up nuclear weapons. Another group, if they really wanted us here to change the world, we'd have to give up all nuclear weapons, all radioactive materials, because they're only destructive in nature. There's no constructive use for them. You know that they use those for electricity. It came out of the, the first two reactors that were built to make bomb-grade ore. That wasn't for electricity. They monetized it. It costs 10 times as much to build a nuclear power plant than it does to build a natural gas power plant, which burns clean energy. Yet you don't see them. There's a royal family in England that owns a lot of uranium mines. I'm not saying it's bad or good, but there's a lot of money to be made by maintaining the status quo. And that's only destructive. If an earthquake happens and one of these power plants split open, the radiation from those rods could kill millions of people. When Fukushima happened, three or four power plants blew their tops and the rods went right out into the air. Should have killed everybody in Japan, a lot of China, most of the Western United States. That's how dangerous it is. There was a plume of radioactive material in the ocean coming to the United States, headed towards the northwest coast at 60 rads and climbing. The governor of the state provided free people to go out and get samples and send it in, and they would test it. And one day, the radiation just vanished from the ocean. Gone. People on Earth did not do that. I want to make that point clear so that some people get a better understanding of what's keeping us alive here. It's not the people on Earth. So that's a that's a big leap we're going to have to make, right? Well, that's, that's a really interesting thing because a lot of people think that there hasn't been any, any extraterrestrial help or any help from anything that's non-human, but you're saying there definitely was. And you've pointed that out a couple of times in this interview. We would all be dead from nuclear war if they hadn't intervened at least that much. We'd be gone. Yeah. You really think, do people really think for a moment, I know they do because they're afraid, that someone who would build a hydrogen bomb would blow it up in our own atmosphere, knowing its radioactive consequences, would go up in the jet stream and drop all over the earth. Cancer went through the roof after those tests. And then everybody realized it's going to destroy all life, just testing them. So they banned them for above ground testing. Nobody tests them above ground. It just kills off everything, causes all kinds of problems. So do you, does anybody really believe that someone who would build that and drop it on people would really have the consciousness not to push the button if they had the chance? They're already driven in insane ways to act insane ways. So no, they, they're not to be trusted. And they can't be trusted here in Russia or anywhere else in China. So something is keeping us from having a nuclear holocaust, and it's not people on Earth. 
When I start to work with people, I, I endeavor to help them recover this awareness for themselves. So they know and can add to the momentum of this transformation. It's the basis of it. That's interesting. Um, but do you want to do a part two? Because we've been going about an hour and a half. Do you want to tell everybody sure. where they can um, find your book? Anything you want to promote? And uh, well, yeah. wait, I wanted to ask you, like, how do we use the hue? I, that's one thing we didn't go over. I, I have time for that. Like, what's the, I mean, I know you have to probably sign up for a class to do that, to really understand it. But like, no basic mechanics of it. Like, how do we use it? Well, first like, of all, I've never charged anybody to sign up for a class like other people do all over the world. I don't really make money off that. Um, I probably should, practically speaking, but I haven't yet. And I'm trying to figure out a way to do it to where I think the income would be properly used and it would be okay. Because extraterrestrials I know don't use money. It's outlawed. They don't even have it. They don't trade between planets. So somebody has 50 cows and someone that doesn't still is in a winning position even in trade. It's not a fair system. You... If you grow up on a planet, I'll give you an example. Human beings on some of the worlds I know of and came from and visit have, by the time they're 10, equivalent of 10 PhDs to a person on Earth because they have photographic memories. They're not suppressed. They're telepathic. They can talk with each other mind to mind or with vocal cords. This is normal human beings. People on Earth are also telepathic, but they're not conscious about it. See, there's a difference. That's about it. So um, when you work with the hue, I'm going to send you something, um, which is a list of how to work with the hue, not to bring fear into it, which will help you personally. Um, we could share it with others. I don't care. Um, but I think it would be very helpful for them to have a basic understanding. When you go to my website at paralleltime.com, it's been around for many years, there are free videos there, presentations like the one I conducted in Finland to show people how I present to a group of scientists. Quantum physicist, Irvin Laszlo, who's got 80 books out. He lives in Italy, he's like Einstein. He was one of the presenters there at this very special conference. I presented to Professor Gerald Pollack, Washington State University, foremost expert on all the phases of water, which is telepathic, battery storage, computer storage, all kinds of things. Yeah, some guy who comes on my show, his name's uh, Dr. Richard Allen Miller. He writes about Dr. Jerry Pollack water. Like, yeah, 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 it, because he's proved it. Shamans on Earth, some shamans actually know how to telepathically work with big bodies of water to talk to people on other planets. And people on Earth ignore them as simple, stupid people. The Hopi have been raising crops and, and food for thousands of years with no irrigation. They do this dance and they call down rain and they, nobody bothers to ask them how they're doing it. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I, I remember. I remember you going back to Art Bell. I've talked about this before. He used to have mass consciousness experiments on the air back in like the early two thousands, where he yeah. would get his audience to focus on a certain thing, and they were able to change weather patterns. But he was afraid of what it might do. He was afraid if he let a hurricane out the ocean and then it came back in and hit somewhere else. Right, right. And his his so, fear is justified because they're not consciously in control of only using their creative imagination in uplifting, beneficial ways because that is what we're required to do, or we get what you call karma, illusion, maya. Yeah. You start, when people put out, here's what happens. When people are compelled to imagine good for themselves in the future and fear of the present in the future at the same time, it splits their consciousness in half. 
the hue goes through them because it's a co-creator with us. It is the power that manifests what we imagine, but it's unbiased. If we put both out, both things manifest and surround us and we trap ourselves. Tyrants knowing this can get people to, to focus in both ways. Then they're working at half thrusters and then they can be manipulated. And that's what we've been seeing here a long time, right? Exactly. So one thing I've always said, and you'll hear it from me, my work does not get interfered with by the men in black. Nobody ever messes with the internet connection. Nobody ever threatens me on the phone. The satellites, every satellite up there has a military chip in it. Everything has to be coordinated through the Pentagon or through NASA before anybody launches anything. And it has to have a mil. I gave an example. Space Force now provides for free GPS location around the globe because their satellites are giving it away for free. Companies charge you to get a phone to get on it, but it's free. They monitor every call. They monitor everything, but not to spy on you. They use log uh, algorithms to, to tune into people that are trying to threaten something, and then they pay attention to those things. Laundering money, terrorist stuff, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's what they're doing it for, and to protect the skies, because Space Force is about protecting space from nuclear armament going awry. That's what it's for. It's for protecting us from nuclear launches from other systems to destroy them from space or knock them down or prevent it altogether. It's not bad. The bad part of it is that it's still classified and that's negative because they have to lie to everybody and lying is negative. When they put money into something they lie about, it comes back and bites them in the ass and they never learn the lesson. If you fund someone like Ben Laden to fight the Russians in Afghanistan, teach them, give them stinger missiles and how to make bombs and blow stuff up, it's successful. But the same people come back and attack you later. That's karma. <laughs> yeah. You can't keep operating like this or we're going to have to bend over and kiss our asses goodbye and go find another planet because the planet will be just fine. But people won't. Yeah, I agree. It's important to know that no human being ever evolved on this planet. That alone is information will stir things up and wake things up like no other statement. What does he mean? Where did we evolve? You mean we didn't come from Cro-Magnon or Cro Neanderthal? No, those are extinct humanoid species. We didn't come from them. We didn't come out of amoeba out of the swamps. It was a reptile bird that somehow just sprung onto a human. No, they didn't evolve here. They evolved out in the universe a long time ago, very ancient, and were brought here. In different scenarios for 65 million years. Where's that missing history for people on Earth? Where's their galactic history missing? That they were living out there more lives than they are here. And what happened to take it all away? More importantly, how do they get it back? I'm glad you had me on the show because I know this is, this is this is fascinating stuff. I'm so happy you came on. Like I know I've been trying to get you to come on for a while, so you know I, I you know I want to take advantage of the time. I think we should do a second one, in which case I will guide people on a journey, including you. I'll show you how this works. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I think if you're up to, like, for we it, we have about 50 people watching. I know that's not a huge amount, but it doesn't matter. Those 50 people are important, each and every one of them. They don't yet know what their role is going to be in this transformation because they haven't awakened yet. But it's clear they've had the courage to at least tune in. And the other seven and a half billion people are not. 
they should be aware of this in themselves. I would ask them to be conscious of this because their potential of a human on earth to recover who they are is very great, but it does require they learn how to drop fear as an attachment, a habit, set it aside and choose not to imagine negative things. This takes a challenge. It takes some work, some personal effort, and a little bit of guidance to help people remember what it's like to visually see being on another planet, on many worlds, and in the astral plane, and up in the void, and beyond that, into a place called the Hugh Expansion Ray Academy, where what I mentioned, the silent mentors who run the mechanics of creation, which almost nobody knows about, few in the entire Galactic Alliance, are now working with master teachers to create new ways of doing things that's being brought down through the lower worlds of time and space. It's already running through the Galactic Alliance and it's moved through our solar system. So there's devices on earth, two of the bottom's deepest oceans and one in a hollowed out interior in the Himalayas that are channeling this. They are not physical devices, but you can see them. Weapons will not affect them. They cannot be maneuvered or manipulated or controlled and they're turned on. So we'll talk about those and then the journey. How do you get how do you get your body to go into the trance state called sleep, which is identical to what you do when you put your body to sleep at night and stay conscious and go on journeys and bring back those journeys? When I do that, I record it on my end so that I can send that to the people I work with so they can review it a second time because the phenomena is they will find out a lot more took place in that journey than they could bring back when they wake their body up, when they open their eyes back here. So that's interesting. So just real quick, like, can you tell the people the benefits of the hue real quick? Like, I know you talked about it a little bit, but like, sure. if anybody wants to try it, you know? Well, first of all, the hue is not owned. It might be distributed by other organizations and it is on earth, at least one or two. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I myself steer away from religious organizations or worship services and things like that because they haven't benefited the people of Earth and they've stayed trapped doing it because experience was not part of that formula. So I endeavor to share with people what the first sound, the primordial first word that existed before the lower worlds of time and space were made and put below the void. Everyone was involved in that. Why? Because bodies don't run themselves. The brain doesn't run itself. If you disconnect a certain energy beam of white golden light to that pineal gland, that body will drop dead on the spot. It takes energy from a living being to run it. It's a type of machine. That's okay. But it's what it is, and you can't take it with you, and it's not who we really are. And if what we really are is this spherical being, as I described, shouldn't you know about it? Wouldn't you want to know about it? Wouldn't you want to remember it? Because it's not limited to the speed of light. There is no limit to the speed of light. Light at 256,000 miles or so per second is what people came up with because their limitations of their physical eyes can only see a small spectrum. And so they locked on that and trapped themselves with limitations. So they can't invent or create anything that will go faster than it because they say it can't be done. That's changing in scientific circles now. So if it goes beyond the speed of physical light your eyes can detect, it goes into infrared and ultraviolet and X-ray. There is no limit to the speed of light. Light coming from galaxies at the center of creation did not take billions of years to get here like they mistakenly think. 
that keeps them trapped in the scenario we can never get to other planets. It would take us a thousand years to go to the nearest star, you know. Well, sure, if you're going to go there in rocket ships with nuclear explode, you know, exploding fuel out the back and all that, we're never going to get very far running those kinds of things. And the irony is people are working hard to develop rockets to get us to build a bigger space station and go to Mars, which is great. But they're just using a version of the Apollo program in rocketry to do it. Maybe better. They can land. That's good. I'm all for it. But you can't take a vehicle like that very far, ever. It takes, what, two years each way or a couple of years round trip to go to Mars in one of those? You'd you could pay me enough money to get on one of those. Yeah, really. Wait, I know it's, it's like a it's like a waste of time when we know we've had reverse engineered craft all this time. You know? But they're not telling Elon Musk that, are they? No, and I think he's no. in for a big surprise when he goes to Mars. Well, they'll either use him and give him the information he needs to make artificial gravity, because the fact is, nobody can live and survive a trip two years out in space in zero gravity. You would die atrophy. They know that because they took a, so, a Russian scientist and a U.S. scientist, put them on the space station for a year. The U.S. guy had a twin brother so they could monitor their biology. And they atrophied. They had neurological problems. They lost weight. They lost bone mass. You cannot put a person in space in zero gravity for any length of time without it negatively affecting them. So they either have to have a rotating session to create it, which is awkward, or they have to create artificial gravity so you can walk around like you're on Earth on those ships. Well, you're not going to go out in space very far ever. Just not possible. So there is this transition thing coming at some point. They'll either make him aware of it and make him part of it so he can make technology on his ships that will have at least artificial gravity. And they may still try to keep the anti-gravitic, anti-gravity technology a secret. They still want it because they don't want other countries to get it, what we have. So it's still classified. The fear is still running it. I don't think the people on this planet or its leaders have uh, enough enough awake in them now to either avoid destroying life on this world or releasing fully disclosure. It's going to have to be done for them. They've been given a deadline and they're absolutely serious, the people that gave them that deadline. If they don't disclose fully, it'll be done for them from outside this planet. And that's going to shock a lot of people. But there's no other way to avoid the destruction of life on this world, the way people are heading it. So that's also the basis of my work, Robert, to help that awareness come into this planet. That's, that's my awesome. motivation. That's why I came here. I came here in a craft as an ambassador to meet with certain leaders, including the president of the United States. That ship was interfered with because we had a leak in the Galactic Alliance and I was killed and I was stuffed in this body. You know what it took for me to wake that up? Having a primary influence says, if you do that, we'll kill you and eat you again. It took a lot, most of this lifetime. But if I can do it and serve as an example that anybody can and then help people find a way to do it, that's a good thing, as far as I'm concerned. I agree. I agree. Well, we're going to, I definitely want to do a part two. I definitely want to, uh, you know, you set that up and I'll be there. Okay. Yeah, I'll email you and we'll do it. And um, and and just to finish up before I before Scott gives his links, all the links for Scott's stuff is in the description. You know, the links to his website. Um, all my links are in there. If you want to donate, you can do that. If you want to uh, join the Patreon, you can do that. If you want to 
you know, watch on another site, you know, like Spotify or something that's all on, all on the links. But uh, Scott, if you could tell everybody where to find you and where to find your books and thank you so much for doing this. Well, can I send you an email so you can include it in your, when you upload this video or is it already up? It's, it's already, it's live, right? We're live right now. But, but you I can mean, add, like, the, you, but you can add the links if I send them to you. Yeah, I can add the link. All right. The main link is paralleltime.com. It's two words, P-A-R-A-L-L-E-L-T-I-M-E. It's a very old website. It's very well seasoned. Place is very high. And you'll find free videos there and links to the books, all four, including ebooks, Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon, ebooks, whatever. But I don't sell anything at the website. I don't take anybody's credit cards. That's all done through online distributors like Amazon and so forth. So that they can find the direct links because there are people that Amazon allow to sell my book. Some people are trying to charge 35 bucks a book as a used book from a bookstore. They're just unscrupulous. So you have to make sure you buy it from the proper Amazon link for the book because it tells you the price and it's correct and you can select an ebook or hardback or, or um, paperback. They're all six by nine sizes. And here's what I wanted to show you guys because why not give them a visual right on your video? Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. So they'll know what it is these look like. First of all, that's the Sayre's agenda. That's the planet Saturn. You see that ship? Yeah. Nice range. You see these scout craft 30 feet across, one entering the hall. That's right on the cover. Mark Sandfield, three guys in black suits trying to kill him are extraterrestrials. He's happened to be reptilian at the time. He's saved, beamed aboard this ship by a human, and he's awakened because this guy didn't evolve on Earth and he was put on Earth against his will. So this is about my direct experience and how this guy wakes up. So that's the series agenda. In the back of the series agenda book, not only do all the books have a glossary of characters and terms, which most books like this never have, but I want to show you something. Back on 290, this is where this begins. The preliminary technique section. And that's the prologue. And then it goes into individual sections and techniques for everything revealed in every chapter. So people can begin to explore that, particularly at night when they're asleep. That's the series. The real actors in costume were hired to portray these parts. So most, you know, the most elaborate books that are published use real actors. This is the Emerald Doorway. As you can see, there is a spherical energy here, white core, and different layers of teardrop light, self-evolvent, self-luminous, that go through the spectrum of color to a yellow-golden exterior. This has come down from a dopening above the void to the fifth realm above the void. This is a master teacher named Ramu. This is a little character named Etta, who's a Dren, silica-based. He's not from Earth. They evolve with the ability to levitate and fly through the air when their tail glows like crystal opal. I've met him. He's an old friend, 100,000 years ago. This guy, Captain Calum, Melina, these are actual actors dressed in costume. This is a bad guy human and what he tries to do to destroy life is in conflict there are over 30 illustrations in this book about key actors oh, that's get, cool and because when you get it you're going to see a lot of stuff this is on the back side of mount chester where this scene occurs wow so there's a lot of stuff going on in mount shasta and I can tell you this, an extraterrestrial galactic alliance base was built there in 1908. 
And if it hadn't been there, we'd have gone up in nuclear war already. Inside the mountain. There's a lot of higher energy there people are drawn to. This is the second book. These are the main characters. There's that master teacher, Ramu. Guardians of the Ancient One meanings guardians or masters of the source or prime creator, which is what beings from other worlds call what people on earth call the supreme being. They don't worship it. They respect it in each other. There's a big difference. Then journey to the center of the universe. There's the bad guy again. There's a picture of Maylene, a beautiful woman, swimming with her little fins between her fingers. The Oceanian humans on a water-covered world on the other side of our galaxy in the third higher parallel dimension, which you'll get into, breathe or on land or underwater. The water world's four times bigger and it's mostly water. So this is what kind of things exist out in the universe people are going to have to become aware of. So um, at the end of this one, this guy defeats himself in the end. You'll see how it happens. He's taken, his body's destroyed, just disintegrated, and he's taken all the way up through the plains, up through the void, up into the higher realms, into what we call the ocean of sound and light, source prime creator, where he's confronted by that source itself and given the option to be set free or be put somewhere else. So what I'm saying is when feature films are made on these projects, because of the way CGI is now, I can actually take people all the way to the source in a feature film as part of the adventure. That would really help people remember a lot. That's what it's designed to do. That's awesome. That, that this is that's that's amazing. I hope people go out and get your books. Like, and I I want I, I hope to have you on back again because uh, this was really cool. I, I I have to say this was awesome. I'm so glad we finally did this. And uh, thank you so much, Scott. I'm going to do one more thing and show people what I do. And there's a reason I won't explain it this time. When I start people on a journey to leave their body, to go out and explore as the Atma. I'll send out the hue and then raise the pitch to connect with different planes. And then we go on a journey. Okay. That's one. For a long time. And so forth. So, and there's a process to it. All right. I guess we're done. It's a long journey. Yeah, I'm looking in the chat. I just wanted to tell you, I think, I think Carrie Casty's in the chat, which is, I, I, I can't Great. believe that. You know, I, I saw Project Camelot and I was like, wow, I can't believe that. That's a real honor if she's really in the chat. Like, yeah, she's done a lot of work to try to wake people up, right? Oh, I love her. I love her work. And I, you know, I tried following I don't know her personally, but I'm aware of her. Yes. Yeah. So if that's really Carrie Cassidy, hi, Carrie. And, uh, you know, hi to her for me too. Yeah. But uh, thank you, uh, uh, Scott. And uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. And, uh, I'm sure I'll be, I do have a video coming out tomorrow. It was the video that was supposed to come out today. So I try to give you guys something every day because I know people want entertainment. I know I did when I was waking up and I sure. still am waking up. So it's like, I try to give you guys something every day because, and, and I haven't been putting out as much on the Patreon because I'm putting out a YouTube video every day. So you guys have something every day, something fresh, you know, like, and I, I'm trying to do that. I don't know how long I can do that for, but it, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try as long as I can. And, and you can always take breaks for the weekend and take a few days off. Nobody will mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's probably, good. <laughs> you know, Robert, it's a pleasure meeting you. I look forward to being on. You set it up and I'll be there. Okay. Fair right. enough. Until next time. I want to wish everybody who may have seen this 
the greatest goodwill in the hue for them to recover what they were made to forget. I'll see y'all lighter, as in less heavy. <laughs> see everyone. Bye.